0: Welcome to the Yana podcast, a mental health podcast where we're going to talk about life, hear stories of strength, and get all in our feelings. So we can remind you that you are not alone. Our hosts are
1: me, Carly, and Becca. Both of us are super passionate about mental health, advocacy, education, and shattering that stigma. We love creating opportunities for young people to share their stories. And experiences about navigating mental health and life in general.
0: The content of this podcast may contain mature subject matter, such as discussions about suicide, self-harm, drug and alcohol abuse, sexual or physical violence, as well as the use of strong language listener discretion advised. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back yeah. on a podcast. You are so excited today. I am. I'm in a very good mood. We love that. We love that. Woohoo. Um, so we're going to introduce our guest. Mm-hmm. We are first going to explain to you why we do this podcast. Yes. Oh, so, Carly and I both
1: work for NAMI. Yes, NAMI, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And we have the privilege of getting to work for the NAMI Philadelphia, Pennsylvania office. Um, NAMI is wonderful and does a lot of free mental health education. Um, We also offer a lot of free mental health stigma, reduction presentations and advocacy and support groups and all that good stuff.
0: Yeah. And one of the presentations, educational presentations programs that we offer is called Ending the Silence. And because of Ending the Silence is a, it's a free teen mental health education awareness program where we go into schools and colleges and youth programs and wherever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we talk to kids about mental health and we, um, not, we, it's always paired can I speak? Um, You're just
1: so excited today. That's really nice. I
0: am. I'm so excited. Um, and the presentation is always paired with a young adult who shares their personal journey with mental health. And because of COVID, uh, we haven't been able to do it the way that we would normally. So uh, we decided that we wanted to still be able to give young adults a platform in which they can talk about mental health, share their stories, and... Be awesome, so and be awesome. That is correct. <laughs> so
1: thereby, thereby, there, you do this every time, and it makes me laugh each
0: time. <laughs> thereby was born the Yana podcast, which the stands, Yana podcast, which stands for
1: "You Are Not Alone." Not alone. There it is. Oh.
0: All right, so there's that. There's that. We
1: just, I mean, it all boils down to that we just really want to elevate people's stories and experiences and podcasts are just the way to do it. So here we are. They're
0: so cool. So cool. All right. So today we have a very special guest and uh, his name is Adonis Rosario. Adonis is a first generation born Dominican American with a passion for promoting positivity and encouragement. His drive for mental health awareness came after experiencing tremendous amounts of hardships and setbacks during his college years. Adonis later started a, mar- a mental health.
2: <laughs> a little bit.
1: Adonis, Literally, this is what 900 cups of coffee does to people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is literally, I don't even know. I think I'm out of coffee now. Oh, man. Anyways, continue. Yes. Adonis later started a mental health organization called We Are Relentless, or war, in 2019 in hopes to bring awareness to minority mental health and provide the resources that he wished were available to him while growing up. Adonis, being an aspiring model, wants to use his growing platform to raise more awareness for mental health, as well as overall well-being from the mind to the spirit. From being an entrepreneur to being a mental health advocate, Adonis shows his passion for helping others become the best version of themselves in all aspects of his life. And yes, he does. Yes. Yay, Adonis. <laughs> Welcome, Adonis. I'm
3: happy to be here, guys. Thank you for having me.
0: You are welcome. You are so cool.
3: I try, you know.
1: (laughs) You don't have to try hard. You're so cool. When we first met you, we were like, wow, he is really cool. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: You've got a lot of a lot of good stuff to say, and your experiences are incredible. So we can't wait to jump into your story. Yeah, but I want to check in with everyone, see how we're all doing today, and ask my, you know, super special question of the day. Um, so I'll give you' all the. I just literally said y'all. like you did. I'm from New Jersey. Okay, you did. Um, so <laughs> y'all here come back go. now, you hear? Um, I'm going to give everyone the question and then I'll check in and then we'll let Becca check in and then we'll let um, our guest of Anna check in. Mm -hmm. So my question is, I was just talking about this with one of my friends the other day. If you were not doing what you're doing now professionally, like what would you be doing? Like what is your like alternative dream job or what is your dream job? I mean, I would say I'm currently doing my dream job, but if I was not at NAMI, I feel like I would want to be a performer of some kind, like in theater or like doing musical theater. There was a time in my life where I like straight up thought I was going to make it big on Broadway, like really thought that deep in my heart. And mind you, I'm nowhere near Broadway status but i thought i was and it's just always been such a joy for me so if i was not doing mental health work i would want to be like on a stage singing and dancing somewhere
0: that but is anyway. so funny i, I mean 1st totally see you doing that thank but you that is kind of also what i would want to be doing yes and i can also say that i have my dream job you know oh
1: the- i love that about this conversation yeah, like Yay. I really, really
0: love what I do. Yeah, <laughs> well, I do too.
1: You know? I do too. And I guess I'll check in real quick. Oh, yeah. Because I got so <laughs> excited about my dream job singing and dancing on Broadway. Um, I, I'm i doing really well. I'm in a really peaceful space today. Um, I feel super productive and I'm getting a lot of work done. Um, so that feels good in my, in my mind, just feeling organized and nice and productive. It could be the coffee or it could be just my internal motivation. We don't know. But other than that, things are, things are peachy here today. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. All right, Becca, what's your, what is, how are you doing and what is your um, alternative dream job?
0: Well, I'm, I'm doing good. I, I had like a little break between a meeting I had and, and before we started recording. And I just had got, I picked up an old VCR from my dad's house this weekend. VCR. And for those of you who aren't aware.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: VCR plays video cassettes. Oh my tapes, gosh. Literally video how tapes. we used to watch, you know, movies and such. But
2: so- DVDs
1: before Netflix and DVDs, like this is
2: like olden days.
0: Yeah, so yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm dating myself just by talking about this. Um, But so I had these old home videos and I just put one on and it made me super emotional. So, you know back to my it's 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 weird that there's people that are no longer here but also it's like really cute and sentimental so I'm feeling I'm feeling some things um thanks (laughs) um and then so yeah I mean I also would love to be I'd love to be a singer I really wish I could sing (laughs) I cannot but I would (laughs) love to be a singer in like in a band um but also, um, no, I forgot what I was gonna say.
1: You want to be in a band, you want yeah. to be a backup dancer?
0: No, you I want to, to be, be singer. the lead singer, I want to be the lead <laughs> singer in a band, and yeah, it would be like in a rock.
1: You band. being in a band,
0: yeah, that mm-hmm. would I could see that be so. I think that, or no, this is really, I would like to be somebody that is part of the Renaissance Fair.
1: (laughs) I literally knew you were gonna say something
0: ridiculous like that.
1: You would like to be the queen.
0: (laughs) Yes, then then I travel with the Renaissance Fair from place to place. Honey, try out,
1: get on on their team. I'm telling you, get on that team. Make your dreams come true.
0: I forgot that that's
1: what I was going to say. I love that. I love that. I hope that that dream comes true for you one day, girl. I really do. I'll be manifesting it. I'm going to start manifesting it right now. Okay. Very good. <laughs> See, so, so is Adonis. We're really rooting for you. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm glad that you're doing well today. Um, you always make me smile because you're so funny. <laughs> you cute girl. Thanks. All right, Adonis, how are you, and what would be your, I guess, alternative job if you weren't doing what you do now?
3: Hmm. Wow, well, a lot of pressure, you know, playing. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I feel amazing, actually. Um, I feel like post-holidays, because holidays aren't really my thing, because the things you guys will find out later on in this interview. But i feel really really good um and if i weren't currently doing what i'm doing now i'll my dream job or i guess dream purpose we'll probably call it that um i would love to run like a like buddhist monastery type thing
2: wow I like
3: a traditional but like it's more of like pretty much everything that i'm doing now but like in a temple form pretty much like wake up meditate oh write your goals down, work out, you know, and like heal, reflection, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I don't, know, it's like pretty much like people come there to like, you know, it's soul search pretty much. And yeah.
0: Like a retreat.
3: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I like, uh,
0: love that. Yeah. What, is there another name for that?
1: Um, I just think of like those like weekend or like week long retreats Yeah, you go and you like You eat well, and you do all of these good things for your mind, your body, and your soul. And you reflect, Uh, and you connect, and you do all those cool things. I would totally sign up for that. Let me know, Donna. Maybe in
3: my forties and fifties, if I open it. Yes,
1: let me know when that comes becomes available because I will sign up.
3: Definitely, I will
0: think about. I will like have an intention to sign up, but maybe not perfect. (laughs)
1: I love that. I can see you. I can see you running something like that, Adonis. I totally can.
0: Yeah, absolutely, 100. That's great.
1: Like somewhere, like in the mountains, or like
3: somewhere just
1: like, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: I I love the warmth, and this like cold weather right now is getting to me. So, yeah, I hear you.
1: That is awesome. Well, I'm gonna manifest that for you as well. Yes that is pretty cool. Yes, yes. You guys cannot see. We are doing these like ridiculous like hand motions to manifest things and yes. things. Yes. So, okay, we all know that Adonis <laughs> is cool as crap. So yes. let's discuss why Adonis is so wonderful. Um, we're going to pass the virtual microphone over to Adonis and he's going to share his story, right? His, his journey through mental health and growing up and all of the things that brought him to be the incredible human being that he is today. So Adonis, tell us more about you. Yeah. Yeah. He <laughs> testing, testing. What testing?
3: It all started when I was born. No. <laughs> it all
1: started when I was born. And the world became more beautiful because of you. <laughs>
3: yeah. No. Um huh. I guess i will start where kind of like my mental health awareness journey kind of started. Um
2: good spot. Perfect.
3: I think. Just like um, pretty much how the introduction said, it started during my college years. Because um, I think prior to that, I was kind of like, I like to call this the concept of sweeping things under the rug, um, where we don't really acknowledge it, like we see it, but we th- we try to hide it and like sweep yeah. it under the rug. Um, but I think a lot of things happened prior to getting to that point, but it wasn't until um, you know, I I think like, I was in a relationship and um I did some things that I wasn't incredibly fond of, and I know it wasn't like my true character in a sense. And it kind of it kind of opened my eyes up a little bit, and it's just like, wow, I have a lot of healing to do. And um, you know, fast forward now, you know, it's a matter of like two years of just like committing to healing. I've been through two relationships, um, you know, one incredibly toxic because of both parties, and the other one was like a more of a breakup in terms of I, I acknowledge that I needed to heal from things. And it was like the first time in my life where I committed 100% to uh, healing, forgiveness and pretty much like um, taking care of my wounds because I think a lot of times that we tend to um, feel entitled and try to get into these relationships and try to kind of Shovel off half the burden of some of the burden to uh, our significant other
2: and yes. that's
3: really unfair because um you know once you jump into this mental health journey or spiritual journey or both um you acknowledge that everyone is dealing with their own crap and for us to say hey well i'm not feeling today so here's my crap on top of your crap and you just got to deal with it and yeah. i think that's very unfair and unconsiderate um you know and this is like You know, a lot of things that I've learned during this process is, um, it's funny, it's like from this concept called, uh, what is book called The Four Agreements, and I don't know if anyone has ever read this book, but that book changed my life in terms of looking at um, my total outlook on life, and pretty much like The Four Agreements go like this. So the first agreement is pretty much be impeccable with your words, Um, you know, only mean Mm -hmm. what you think, because your words are very powerful and they can manifest into certain things, So always speak kindly of yourself and always speak kindly of others because I also believe in karma. So whatever you put out, you get back. Mm -hmm. Uh, The two is don't take things personally. So it goes back to that concept of everyone has their own individual lives and everyone's dealing with their own thing. So even if it seems like it's projected towards you and even if it seems like it's about you, just remember people tend to project whatever they, they, however they feel internally. So if I feel amazing, I'm going to treat everybody else amazing with love. If I feel like crap, I'm going to treat everybody else like crap.
0: Yeah.
3: You know? yeah I struggle
1: important. with
0: that.
3: Yeah. yeah. I, I
1: take a lot really of things personally.
0: That.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I take um,
0: everything personally. I was having this <laughs> conversation a week ago. For Yeah, that is one that I need to work yeah. on. Yeah.
1: Uh, what, are the other, what are the other two?
3: The other two are don't make any assumptions. I so
1: also need of,
3: to work on that. It goes hand in hand with don't take things personally. Because I feel like whenever um, any, any relationship, whether be platonic or romantic, we set these unrealistic expectations of this person is always, always going to be there for me. They're never going to hurt me and blah, 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 blah. But again, it goes back to that concept of people have their own lives and people have their own BS that they're dealing with. So right. to put these unrealistic expectations on them is incredibly unfair. And, you know, I just recently ran into a situation like that where, um, you know, holidays isn't, aren't my thing just because, like, um, again, I'll get, I'll get more into it. But, you know, I was going through it. Also, a friend of mine was going through it as well. But my way of dealing with, I guess, my seasonal depression is I ghost people. And I just, like, you know, just shut out the world. And I just kind of, like, put all this energy into myself. And the mental health, advocate in me it was like look you don't want anybody anything do what you have to do to keep yourself sane but mm-hmm. uh, you know the loving caring friend that I am is like maybe I could have communicated and say hey guys I'm gonna like disappear for a little bit but and then it goes back to the mental side it's like you don't really owe anybody explanations it's like it's yeah. like a like, you know, it's a gray area It's kind of hard to like really figure it out.
0: It's funny. I have to do that with Carly all the time. If I need to take a little break, I have to let her know. Otherwise, I get like frantic phone calls. I'm going to call your mom. It's very true. Listen, I don't play. Okay.
3: It's true. I think it's also um, gauging your relationships because some relationships you might be able to just ghost. Because it's like, it's people that I'm extremely close with where we don't have to talk every single day. I could talk to them like every six months and we'd still be, you know, close. Yeah. But then there's other relations where if I would talk to them for like a day or two, it's like, are you alive? Well, yeah. I'm this. so why aren't you here to help me? And it's like, you know, I think, again, going back to not taking things personally, my, where I'm at, my spiritual journey might be someone else's like, you know, they might be at the beginning of their spiritual journey. So a lot of things that I've learned to come to understanding and grasp they're probably just stumbling upon that. So it's like, um, you know, just reminding yourself of that concept in itself, separating yourself from your emotions to how how you actually feel how can I actually express how I feel without expressing it with the emotion. And I think that's something that a lot of people need to practice in terms of like, all because you're angry. If you try to express why you're in this like, very, very angry state, it's like you're spitting fire and ammunition out at someone else versus just like taking some time, maybe like five, 10 minutes to like decompress, calm down, then Mm -hmm. express how you actually feel versus like trying to sound mad aggressive and offensive. Yeah, Um, that's That's super
1: powerful. And it's such a good reminder to have that like, um, I read somewhere, someone said to me when people said like, let me just have a second before they like react. I said, someone said instead of saying let me have a second say like let me have a moment because you know your your second one second is not enough time <laughs> to like really yeah. give yourself that that opportunity and that permission to like reflect before you react so yeah. i think that that is that is a, such a good reminder
3: that Absolutely. just a moment
1: could really impact yeah. the situation
3: can make or break your relationship and i think a lot of people need to understand that um so the last agreement in the four agreements is always do your best and i think it's um i think that's the most important one because when they, to try to live like a perfectionist it's like unrealistic and i think it's as long as you're trying to you do your best every single day and you know you tried your best then yeah there's nothing really else left to say you know
0: my dad said the other day, actually, it's really interesting. My dad said the other day um, that he doesn't even say, I'll try my best. He says, I'll try my best to do my best. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I, I like that. Cause it's like, I'm not, I, I'm not I, I don't know if I'm gonna always do my best but I'm gonna try to do my best, you know? Mm-hmm. But like, it's like less pressure in a way but like you're still, tr- you're still doing everything you can to do your best. But, you know, you can't always, I don't know. I just thought that was. I think that's awesome.
1: And I I have this like little thing in a picture frame in my office back at the NAMI office. And it says, just do your best. That is enough. Yeah. Because it's like everyone's best looks different and everyone's best is measured by various things Through and everyone's best is different best at any given time of our life. Right. But if we're putting forth our best effort, like that is enough. Mm-hmm. and really? I feel like you know we have this this set of, like society that makes us feel like we have to like always exceed all of these things and do this and do that but I really love these four agreements Adonis I think yeah
0: thanks, they're so for... cool
1: I want to know I need to know yeah how did you become who you are today yes like where how are you shaped what motivates you
3: yeah yeah uh, like I mentioned before, it wasn't until college where I really acknowledged that, hey, Adonis, you have a lot of healing to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I guess we'll start back to I guess, where it pretty much stemmed from. If, um, I remember being about 11 years old, and it's crazy I say 11 because um, my trauma is connected to being aged at 13, 14. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until recently where, you know, I've, you know, I've forgiven my father, um, you know, for the last two years that I'm actually able to remember beyond that that trauma point. And it's crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a little first take for everybody.
2: (laughs) Okay. Um,
3: But yeah, it started when I was like about 11. Um, We, my sister and I, um, we were, I think elementary school I might have been in the fourth or fifth grade and um, it was like it was like an off day I don't remember exact month I don't remember exact day but I just remember it being gloomy mm-hmm. um, outside and it just felt very very off and um, I think my mom picked us up and usually it's our dad who mm-hmm. so are like confused I mean, that was like the r- first red flag right there like Right, where's that at? so once that happened um we get notified that we just got robbed mm-hmm. so we get robbed we go to the house everything is pretty much like scrambled beds are flipped over um and we we're actually getting our floors waxed that um that day and so our wax floor was like already messed up there's like mm-hmm. lottery tickets everywhere come on, Dad used to pay the lottery um, <laughs> Yeah, so it was just like it was a shit show. Um, but I remember vividly that there was no emotion. There was like nothing. I like was just like, it just happened, and that's it. Um,
1: you didn't have any emotion.
3: This, just the 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 vibes, like the room, the whole scene. Like my mom, my sister, because my, my sister and I didn't really know what was going on. We kind of was like, what the hell, like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and my coping at the time was playing video games. So it's like, yes, all this is going on, but my head is down playing Pokemon, you know? Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You were just kind of like trying to like escape, right? Or like not face the outside of your bubble. Yeah, Mm
3: -hmm. literally. And, um, you know, just when everything clicked, it was just like my dad was um, he was in jail. Because they found out that he was here legally. So um, mm. then that was kind of like the beginning of like a 10 year stretch of bullshit. Um, yeah. You know, just like I said, it, it happened from, you know, age 11 to I guess when I finally decided to forgive him, I was 24, 24, yeah, 24.
1: And there was uh, a lot of trauma that your dad was involved in in your life.
3: And it was crazy, it wasn't like direct trauma, but it was a mm-hmm. lot of like subconscious or indirect trauma. Um, sure, so you know, it's just like, especially once um, we moved up here to the northeast, um, it was common to see two parents in each household,
2: mm-hmm. right?
3: And then once my dad left, it was just like, well, single mom, two kids, and everybody else on the block has both parents, so. Mm. Again, like,
1: resent, like, did you resent him a little bit?
3: It wasn't until I was, I started high school, because prior to that, like, I was still calling him, like, Mm -hmm. uh, I was still thinking about him and stuff like that, and we're always talking on the phone, because he was, like, he had, he didn't get deported full on until I think I was, like, 13, like, maybe, like, He did get,
1: he did get deported. Mm -hmm. Okay, and that, I mean, can, I I don't really I've never experienced that so what does that feel like as a kid like having your your parent get deported what does that feel like
3: it basically feels like your parent went on a long vacation but Mm -hmm. he don't come back um because he he's gotten deported multiple times prior um okay the, the one time I do recollect was um I was, I might have been the fifth grade still or fourth, mm-hmm. and I was like going through it, and it was like I didn't know it was like directly connected to him, his absence, but mm-hmm. I remember this because this is like again, it, it's funny because like as I keep going back down, it's like all right, actually no, I think this was the starting point of like my mental health thing, um, but I remember when he was gone so i didn't know if my parents were like well, at least i was like yeah he's just on vacation blah blah blah." and i didn't like you know i just bought it in but you know vacation shouldn't last that long <laughs>
1: right and that's what, that's what you were being told right because you were a kid yeah. so yeah, you didn't understand what was actually happening so that's what you were being told like dad's on vacation
3: exactly okay. and just like how do you go from literally spending every single day i think yeah because it's the beginning of the school year ish and, like, I have always spent time with my dad and, like, you know, whether it be, like, going somewhere with him or mm-hmm. getting get a McDonald's or something like that, um, I always had to spend time with him. So, yeah. like, I go from spending time with to, like, not seeing him at all. Right. So, I remember, like, struggling doing, like, math in, like, fourth grade, stressing out over yeah. a math. <laughs> like, really stressing out over a math question and... I also think this was like attention, like based. Like I feel like I was looking for attention, but also because I didn't know what the hell suicide was. Trigger warning. Of I didn't know. You know, I didn't. I didn't know what that. What the hell that was. I didn't know what killing yourself was. It's was just like, you know, I, I was saying this at the age of I think how old are you? in fourth grade, like nine? 10. Yeah, eight, it's, nine. Yeah.
1: yeah. So you so, were saying things like, "I want to die," "I want to kill myself."
3: Yeah, I was saying this stressed out and like said it like out loud I guess someone said it like reported back to like the teacher and then um they called me down to like the counselor's office and we just we talked and you know um it was like weird because I I started using it as a running game because I was getting the attention that I was getting from my dad but from other people and that's something that I realized in um and just human behavior mind you I'm not I don't have a degree in psychology. I'm not a psychiatrist or anything, but through my own self-reflection and self-analysis, I picked up on my own behaviors and I see that it's, you know, it's basic human behaviors. So when a lot of things are like the trauma, we tend to, uh, you know, try to find love or find whatever we're lacking in different places.
2: Mm. Um, Yeah.
3: And whatever form that might be, whether it's through self-harm, whether it's through, um, you know, suicide allegations, and, you know, because that gets the attention of our loved ones, like, oh, my God, like, are you okay, and, like, that's the reassuring yeah. attention that we get, but on a regular day, we, we could be fine, but the second you get triggered or something, all right, what, what can I do today to get the attention that I need, and that's yes. the process, the process, and
1: I feel like that's so common, Adonis, right, like, when people are hurting, or when they're going through trauma, or when, like, what you experienced, like these traumatic losses, like even though your dad was still physically here on earth, he was being removed from you. Mm -hmm. And like, you didn't have the understanding or you weren't able to really comprehend what was happening. So you were probably feeling confused and and, and sad and overwhelmed and all of these emotions. Your mom was working hard to raise you and your sister. Like you were trying to navigate really big things as a young kid. So having to, I think, you know, navigate that and feel alone and feel like, oh my gosh, how do I, how do I get validation here? Sometimes behaviors come out that are, you know, attention seeking or coming from a place of deep rooted pain.
0: Right, and I think a lot of times when people use words like attention seeking, they use it in a like negative way. I we've talked, you know, we've talked about this before on this on this podcast. But like, you know, you're attention seeking because you need attention. You know, and it's necessary to have attention because you're in pain and struggling so much. So it's not like a negative thing that you're. I mean, obviously, the pain is is not. you know does not a positive thing but like you know what I mean it's not like oh he's just he's so attention-seeking you know so I think that's a really good that's interesting so um and also I think that kids like especially around that age like have a hard time processing that when their parents aren't in the room that they're not like they don't understand like that there's a whole nother life that can you know like I don't Mm -hmm when you're a young kid, like they just, I think that it's hard to even process that your parents can be doing anything else when they're not even in the room. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that is,
1: that is fact. I can share that as a fact, as a mother with (laughs) four children that it is, I mean, that's a hard concept to process, but I'm, I'm interested in learning or in knowing more a little bit, Donna's after, like you said, this was happening in like age 11 or so. What, how did your the rest of your years go like with all of this happening and you trying to process all these things
3: um i remember before i entered high school i went through this little like emo phase i just felt like everyone goes through
2: we all did honey (laughs) we all went through it right
3: listening to rock music and stuff like that um but you know like i noticed that it wasn't a phase because you know. Eventually the things that you practice become habits and eventually become part of your personality. Um, so I was like preaching, like, oh, F happiness and blah 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 blah, and literally like that was <laughs> and um you know once once I got into high school, um that sad little boy was still there, but he was more of like overshadowed because I was trying to kind of reinvent myself. I went from being like a poor df student in middle school not because i didn't understand the stuff it's because i was lazy Mm. and also that's what you know trauma would do to you um i got in there and just reinvented myself and i finished high school being out there like top 20 in my class with 3.7 gpa
0: go ahead adonis i see Uh, right (laughs) (laughs) that's that's uh, that's pretty not too shabby
3: yeah you know we try (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like I remember um hopping into my first like re- like a serious relationship was like my high school relationship from freshman year to freshman year of college Ooh. and oh like, wow that's like, a
2: long, long time yeah Wait,
1: before we get into this so- this journey we're gonna take a quick break because I want to give you some some time to share this story so we'll give a break, break. okay okay we are back and better than ever. <laughs> I just felt the need to say it like that. It's been well, a long
0: week, you know? I mean, that is just moment to moment. We are better than ever. Ever than ever, oh. for sure.
2: <laughs> so,
1: okay. Before we took a break, Adonis was about to tell us about this long-term relationship that he was in that, you know, shaped him in some certain, in some way or whatever.
0: I just got to say, I was in an eight month relationship when I was in high school. And that was like, I thought that was like long, long relationship to be in at that age. I know. So, wow. So like, this is like four years. Like, it's a long time. To, okay. All right. So
1: tell us how this relationship played a role in your life.
3: Ooh, um, it definitely showed. Uh, at least for, at least for fucking back um that I was bleeding a lot I was mm. uh, yeah like it was it was bad um the person that I was in that relationship I was extremely possessive mm-hmm. uh, I was extremely obsessive I was extremely uh, toxic um I was manipulative like pretty much everything you're not supposed to be <laughs> that, that was me Um, you were
1: not your best self in that relationship
3: exactly exactly. and um but like I said I think it stems from um, me trying to keep my own heart safe because Mm. of what happened with my father
1: yes I mean let's just just seriously like that is so common right like you had a lot of when you were a young boy had a lot of issues of maybe like not feeling stability or feeling like you had to hold on to people tightly or they would leave or that fear of abandonment, right? All of those things were so real for you. And that's so common that it manifests in our relationships as we get older. I struggled with that too, honestly. Um, A lot of my life, I had really unhealthy relationships because I would do anything. Literally, I would change my whole person. Mm-hmm. to please someone else. And it was, it was very toxic, like you said, but mine all rooted from childhood trauma.
0: Exactly. I And I am also a hundred percent in that, you know, mm-hmm. and agree with that. And like, I also would do everything I could to, um, uh, what's, oh my God, I can't think of things today. What the hell? Control, are you
1: think, are you gonna use the word control? No, like uh, sabotage sabotage you were like a self-sabotager
0: yeah and i would try to almost sabotage. like fueled
1: people are like fueled by the like the the sabotage like they like it yeah and like i it, like like so their-
0: scared of having my heart hurt you know that i needed also to push the limits and see how much people loved me
1: oh that's
3: yeah.
1: that's a big one
3: so, so tell funny.
1: us more adonis tell us more about this relationship
3: um yeah it's just like I've noticed how like pretty much everything I just said but it's like um it's just like when you have someone who is so willing to love you even though you're like extremely horrible to them I think it's extremely important to acknowledge that everyone has their limits
2: Mm
3: -hmm. um so we ended up breaking up in freshman year of college um I've, got, I've gotten a little better, but not too much. You know, it was like the tiniest bit of improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember what caused, I guess, like the the downfall of our relationship. And it was, um, what was it? It was something, I think she was like going through it. I think it, like some someone close to her passed away mm-hmm. and I just wasn't there for her. And it wasn't because I didn't have the mental capacity to be there for I just literally just didn't want to be there Um, because it's like I didn't know how to be there for someone because I never the only time I ever lost someone close to me was my dad and the way I dealt with that was through playing basketball um, and just doing literally everything but dealing with it.
1: That is uncomfortable like sitting with someone in their grief yeah (laughs) sitting with someone in their pain is not the easiest thing to do for everyone it's uncomfortable and yeah. i feel like it is it's you know something that is really really helpful for that person sometimes but for the for the friend supporting someone through that is sometimes like no thanks i'm going to just going to step over here and not deal with it
0: and especially when you're in pain and not knowing how to deal with your own pain it's like you don't have room for that pain mm-hmm. for that other yeah. person's pain there's no room yeah. there and so like you know you have to it's it's really it's not comfortable because you just don't you just don't have the capacity and it's not mental capacity but like maybe in your heart you know, capacity you know, heart, yeah. like <laughs> compassion you know like mm-hmm. you you don't have that and um your cup is full
3: yeah literally and um, literally
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um but yeah that was like the breaking point of our relationship and it's like i remember this this shift and it's just like I knew something was coming, but I just couldn't really pinpoint it. So that once to happen, I was just heartbroken like mm. because it just reminded me of my dad leaving again. Mm. So it just reopened the wound that I thought was sealed for what I was 13, I was 18, 19 at this point. So That's a long time. Yeah, so I thought, you know everything was cool. Um, but then I went through like a year and a half of being like single, still hurting and bleeding. And I was bleeding on other people in the in the meantime. Um, but then you, you you would think I would spend this time alone, healing, seeking professional help and everything, but no, you are wrong. <laughs> you are incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> um, I ended up jumping into another relationship like a year and a half afterwards. Um, after that pretty much sense. a year yeah pretty much after a year and a half of this like um still messing with girls you know doing single college boy things
2: whatever mm-hmm. really? college, college, boy things. Things. Hashtag <laughs> college
0: boy things <laughs> like, like,
1: like,
3: hmm, yeah. what
0: could those be use your <laughs>
3: imaginations,
2: <laughs> use your imaginations.
3: Uh, yeah and then you gotta get got into that and it was refreshing to say the least um because I have been single for a year and a half and um you know it was someone new someone that I didn't know and it was just like all right cool this is this is fine um but then a part of me still couldn't make the emotional connection it was like yes I want you here but I don't need you here mm-hmm. and it turned to kind of an attachment issue where like we're having, obviously, you know, we're together, we're dating, so use your imagination again. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So then, you know, we got connected, you know, we were connected and, um, but the part of me only wanted the physical connection, not like, you know, everything else. Right. it eventually turned into a relationship where it's like I wanted it but not really I think I only wanted it so I could keep the physical connection that wasn't really anything else um and that again and this is the message for everyone out there if it's only a physical connection do not do it because it's a trap
1: (laughs) (laughs) do not
3: (laughs) do do that (laughs) um so yeah we ended up dating for almost four years another like back-to-back long-term relationship um but in this one, I can honestly say again, I was my best self. Um, I ended up cheating on her. I think like a year and a half in, two years in, mm-hmm. and that again, that, I think that was a turning point for me where I realized like, wow, like you are turning into your father.
2: Mm.
3: You know, because like during yeah. that, yeah, during the during the time when he got deported to like this time, I just learned so much about him. Where it like, I just started resenting him. Like, my pain and sadness turned into anger and resentment. And um, it's never good to harbor that in your heart, even if it's like not directed to someone who's currently in your life, because again, you end up bleeding into your other relationships. So, um, you know, I end up hurting her and, and long term hurting myself because, again, if you have someone who loves and cares about you incredibly to go through these things with you. Um, and pretty much uh, allow themselves to be a punching bag to your emotional trauma, you know, you should treat them a little better or at least, like, be brutally honest with yourself. Do you want to be with this person or not? And not to just kind of keep them hanging. Um, it's and, kind
0: of like the sabotage, too, that, like, I mentioned before, like, what you're doing is, like, the sabotage to, like, you know, almost protect your... Well, obviously, you know you're not in it, but, like, you're you know you don't want to have anything that like is good in a way you know you're really like self-sabotage
3: because being sad gives you the attention that you desire
2: mm.
3: um, you know and then that fast forward to uh, um we had a moving in together um like mm. two years ago yeah 20, 2018 and that, honestly, was the worst mistake I ever made in my life. But it, it it had to be done because I felt like if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be who I am today. I think that period in my life shaped a lot of who I am now. Mm. Um, just learning about, like, you know, personal finance and, like, taking personal uh, emotional inventory and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, we ended up breaking up. I think in the beginning of, like, 2019, um, I was... And uh, like three thousand dollars worth of credit card debt. Right. Um, I had, <laughs> Boy. I, right. I was in a hundred percent commission job, so I wasn't I didn't really have any money at the time.
2: Right.
3: Um, so I'm just like struggling, and I'm like, this can't be the lowest point. And there's this thing called a cookie jar method, and I just actually figured it out recently, um, and and I feel like I've been using this my whole entire life. Um, Especially when it came to sports. Whenever something bad um, happened in my life that I got through and over and over with, it served as a cookie. So, whenever you're currently going through something that's stressful and you think you can't do it, you go into your mental cookie jar and take one of those cookies out and, like, hey, look, you were able to get through a 12 mile run. So, this should be a piece of cake or hey like for for me my personal example is I've been through two knee surgeries and I'm still able to walk so it's like nothing in life could take me down
0: so that's
3: literally like you know the cookie jar method I
0: like that I do too I've I've never heard that before and I I do like I like that too
3: (laughs) so I use that periodically now but um you know that's a, it's always a constant reminder that i've been through a lot and whenever i'm faced with some type of adversity that i'm a lot stronger stronger than that adversity and i'll beat that adversity's head off his shoulders
1: <laughs> i love that <laughs> and i think that's so important to to say right because i use that a lot with people that we work with at nami or with my own self with my friends like you have been through worse or yeah. You have been through X, Y, or Z, and you did get through it. You will get through this. Like, this will get better.
0: This too shall pass. Yeah.
1: And I just think that that's like, it's all about that mindset piece, right? Like, you have this mindset that, like, this is the worst possible thing ever, and I'm never going to get through this. I'm never going to get better. I'm never going to heal. Like, that's going to set you up for, like, these negative self-talk but if you say like okay cool like i have been through x y and z and i came out on top and i came out okay i did it right it pushes you i feel like to push through adversity like you said adonis
3: no definitely i think it's um it's it's always it's always important to remind ourselves that you know if we weren't strong enough we wouldn't be here right now because i know i've personally been through a lot of like stuff <laughs> and <laughs> and if i wasn't strong enough you know i wouldn't be walking here today i wouldn't be financially stable today i wouldn't i wouldn't have all these meaningful relationships in my life if, if i wasn't strong enough and most importantly i would never met you guys if i wasn't you know, strong <laughs> to persevere through those things um right you know and it's like um this is a constant reminder you are stronger than what's trying to tear you down Mm-hmm. And that includes, that includes even your inner negative voice that you should like just, you know, beat it up and throw it
1: against
3: your question. <laughs>
2: um, yes,
1: I love that. And I think, you know, the, the organization that you are, that you started, you know, that that whole, like your whole mission and the name of it and everything yeah. is all about that, that whole idea you know
0: yeah we are relentless yeah
1: so talk a little bit about war talk a little bit about we are relentless and what you do and what you're doing and what you hope to do and all that stuff
3: well we are relentless actually came about during that breakup actually uh well in the process of breaking up and then post breakup um so it was during a time with uh, my best friend and co-founder um we she I think she just got out of a breakup or a relationship. And I was in the process of getting out of a relationship. Um and I was just like, I was tired of like looking for jobs. I was tired of uh, taking exams to get certification so I could get a job. And I was just like, what is something that I really want to do? And I sat there and realized I'm like, I want to have a clothing brand that is mental health inspired oh. and hence where we are relentless came from and it's funny a lot of people don't know the story that we originally started off as a clothing brand right um,
0: i always forget that aspect yeah. <laughs> honestly <laughs> but i yeah but i know it
3: <laughs> yeah, so Go on. We, we started off as a clothing brand and um you know it wasn't until it was time to you know get the shirts and it was time to like actually form our business entity That was like, we can do a lot of damage with this, like outside of like the clothing thing. And, you know, because for me, I think at this time I was doing a lot of um, community work and I was like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. And uh, I realized that I've always been this person. But it's it's hard to see that when you're so clouded by your own shit. Mm-hmm. Um, i've always been this loving caring person and like you know always wanted to help people and even when i was beating i wanted to like pretty much like hold one hand and you know use my other hand to like make sure i could help other people in the process <laughs> um but then like um, oh, you know that's when we start getting to like um community work and we that's actually how we first met you guys. We uh yeah. reached out and we uh we organized a collaboration to do a right better yeah
0: we did an awesome backpack event dive. that yeah. was so fun yeah we I just uh, fill everyone in because it was really awesome. Um we did a like a backpack school supply drive where people donated backpack or money or backpacks and supplies and we used that as an incentive for um, parents and families, and members and students to come out for an ending the silence presentation at one yeah. of the schools that we go to frequently. So, um, and it was very successful. It was.
1: It was yeah. really, really cool. And you guys did such a good job of organizing that. So, yes,
2: thank, thank you.
3: If it, it was like you guys, it wouldn't have been a thing. So, I'm happy. <laughs>
2: <that>. <laughs> well,
0: that it have been a makes minute. the dream work yes exactly exactly.
3: it was your idea but um, even just that opened up so many doors for us it's because we kind of had that under our under our belt um you know and it's like um i wanted after that point i was like what can we do what else can we do what else can we do and um you know at the time i was like pretty much like uh starting my modeling career Mm -hmm. and i met um one of my close friends to this day he is, um, he works at PHMC, uh, public health management Corporation, And he was like uh, then director of outreach and community or something like that. And uh, cool. I told him about war and he liked the idea. And, um, you know, he asked if I wanted to work with PHMC in terms of like uh, teaching kids about mental health and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I was like, that's mm-hmm. a, such a huge opportunity for a, uh, an organization that's not even a year old yet. Yeah. Um, so we ended up creating, like, a, a six-week, eight-week curriculum in the span of, like, a month, um, and we we were able to go out, and, had yeah, I think we were uh, in charge of two schools. So we went to these schools, I think, like, every, like, once a month, I think, and uh, we were doing that before COVID, you know, kind of shut everything down, but nice. it just showed, um you know, we've seen some progress. We've seen some like, uh, it's like you know, it's good. we're we're probably gonna have to be here a while before we really see anything. But you know, because um, my my approach to teaching kids isn't the approach to most people. I'm incredibly blunt to these kids, and yeah. I I talk to them how they're used to hearing things, and I think that's the number one thing when it comes to um, speaking at these inner city schools that you can't you can't be formal. It's like I I don't, I I don't care what the textbook says. I don't care what uh, you know your director says. It's just me being a product of that environment. I'm only gonna listen to someone who is speaking the language that I understand.
0: Exactly, it's exactly I how mom. I I try to approach things too. It's like you got to be real, or they're gonna have no respect for you.
3: Yeah, seriously. And it's like um you know because I I tried a nice approach. Nice approach didn't work. Nice approach got me getting walked all over on, and and I I didn't like that, so I was like, all right, well, going back in, I have to be a lot more stern, I have to to be a lot more serious, and um, the one school that we had, I think was in Upper Darby, it was uh, called Tilden, Tilden Middle School, Um, definitely the worst out of the two, (laughs) but, um, you know, with there, I had to be extremely, extremely stern, and like, you know, it's like, it, it, it's it's hard because you want to help these kids but it's like I can't help you unless you help yourself you have to want to help yourself sure. so we're saying like well you guys can't get pizza unless you guys you know it's basically like a trade-off so we did like a um I think the day I went we we're doing a meditation but the kids couldn't even like sit quiet for 10 minutes so i right, was well all right well everyone go back to your desk mm-hmm. and sit here quietly for five minutes if you can't sit here quiet for five minutes then nobody gets pizza
1: uh-huh. so, listen i would do a lot of things for
2: pizza yeah same <laughs>
3: <laughs> so there, were there were like three kids who actually who were actually quiet during that the initial meditation so they were eating in front of these kids so mm-hmm. and i didn't even care because i was like well this is what happens when you cooperate not mm-hmm. necessarily follow rules as long as you cooperate um So then, you know, inch by inch, minute by minute, I was giving kids uh, slices of pizza. But obviously the people who were, you know, actually cooperative to uh, initially got two, three slices versus the other people only got one slice, you know? So it's like, it goes to show you, I'm just trying to set up a like mindset shift, like, oh, maybe if I listen, I could get what I want. Mm -hmm. It's like something like that, but it's like, you know, I'm still, it was my first year, it was our first year and I'm still gonna, you know, have I'm gonna have to like improve the curriculum because I really want to get more, uh, deeper into the psychological sense of it. Because I I truly believe in order to change your life, you have to shift your mindset. You have I
1: love to- that. Say it again.
3: In order to shift your life, you have to shift your mindset.
1: Right. I think that's so good.
3: And it, it's key because I've noticed even in my life where it was like I had this, oh, what was me mindset. And I kept blaming other people for everything. Um, and that was only slowing up what I desired. Because I know that I always knew that I wanted to be successful. I don't know what the hell that looks like, but I just know that I always wanted to be successful. Yeah. But now that I'm operating more from a place of love and abundance, I get to see it clearer and clearer each and every single day. So now I'm finally at this point in my life where I know exactly what my my personal success looks like. And I think that's, that's the number one thing I do want to get across when it comes to um, capitalistic anxiety, because mm-hmm. I feel like because of our society, our current society, it's like you have to always be productive. You have to do this, you have to do that, yeah. and, like, <laughs> and like you know, successes. You have this big house, you're married, you have a car. I mean, by <laughs> all means, if that if that's what you want to be successful, follow that. But I know personally, for me, marriage might 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 not be a thing. You know, it is something that. Head. You know it's mm-hmm. up in the air, and don't let don't let society force you to say I need to get married. Don't let society yes. say I need a family. Don't let society say I need a big house. Like me personally, I can literally lay out everything I want. Marriage is up in the air. I want either <laughs> mansion or really nice apartment, not necessarily a house because like I just don't want that. Um, <laughs> I'm not materialistic, so it's like you know, I mean it's kind of like kind of going into each other, but. You know, I'm, I'm extremely minimalistic in terms of like I don't need a Lamborghini. I don't want that. You know, <laughs> if anything, I want to travel the world and experience new cultures. That that's what I actually want.
0: I and, would actually really like a Lamborghini. Just gonna throw that. In. <laughs> <laughs> I would like a Lamborghini. I mean, Thank I
3: you. I one, but I'm <laughs> So
0: like, you can you know,
3: just like, give me that if that if you get one of those, you can just pass. I got it. you. I'll make, sure make sure it's green. I'll make sure it's green. It says Nami on the side of it.
0: Yes.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, you know, but like for me, and you know, I speak I speak about this all the time with my friends and family. Like, you know, my long-term goal is I want to make my fortune here in America. Um, for many reasons, obviously. Like, I want to, you know if my kids want to become doctors or whatever case may be, I don't want monetary means to be the limiting factor for them going after it because that was my mother's limiting factor. She became a hairdresser not by choice because that was the only thing that she could do at the time. And you know, mm-hmm. she's 52 now and she's still a hairdresser. But it goes to show you is that mindset shift, knowing that, you know, yes, this might be my temporary just uh you know situation but it's not my end all it's not my final situation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I love that. You are so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, I just think that like you have such good words of wisdom. You have such good um like pieces of just life to sh- to share with people. Yeah. And your light is so bright. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are definitely going to, I feel like help people shift their mindset because it is such a powerful tool. Once we shift our mindset, what can actually become of that, you know, is, is really pretty remarkable. Yeah.
0: Very yep.
3: true. So, it's very true. You know, I think, I think you're awesome. awesome. Thank you. I think you're both awesome.
0: (laughs) Look at the the love. Look at the love. I love it. I love
1: it. Well, we do have to wrap up a little bit, but I wanted to see if you had any last words. And then we're going to talk about where you can be found on Instagram. And then I'm going to ask you um, my famous last question. But Becca, I feel like you have something to say.
0: I just feel like I want to know more about your story I feel like we skipped over a lot so yeah it's just we're gonna have to do another part two
3: for sure I'm definitely down
0: I don't know Part 2 we've been starting to do this because I feel like we just I don't know there's so much to everybody there's so much there's so
1: much to everybody and it's when like real conversations like this one happen you know we don't want to like tell you what to say and what to share we want it to be an organic conversation yeah Um, so i think that a part two is always a good thing to do yeah it just means we love you extra yeah Yeah, (laughs) you're wonderful (laughs) but tell people where they can find you on the gram
3: the gram all right um the gram my personal uh my personal instagram is adonis raphael rose it is A-D-O-N-I-S-R-O-S-A-R-I-O-R-O-S-E. And uh, my organization's um, Instagram is War Movement. W-A-R-M-O-V-E-M-E-N-T.
2: Perfect.
3: Yeah, so that's Perfect. where you can find us and me at. <laughs>
2: Wonderful.
3: Um, I guess my word of wisdom to kind of leave you guys with is, just understand that you are extremely capable of what you put your mind to. Um, You know, it's just a matter of committing. Don't say, don't just say that you want to be this. Don't just say you want to heal. Don't just say you want to be more present, but commit to that and understand that it's not going to happen overnight. And it's a day-to-day battle. It's a day-to-day struggle. Um, Even me, like as wise as I may sound, I'm still healing, Um, you know, and it's a never ending process. It's just, understanding that you have infinite potential. And infinite, infinite potential means to me is that you will always get better no matter how great you may feel in the situation. There's always room to improve. There's always room to work. And one of my favorite quotes uh, from Kobe Bryant, actually.
1: Kobe, yeah. RIP.
3: Soul. Soul. Oh. Um, <laughs> but it was during one of his um, interviews, I think it was like in the 2009 finals. And it's, it's funny, but like I, I, I looked at it more from like a uh, motivational standpoint. And the interviewer was asking him, um, you know, you, you're up to, oh, I'm, we're still waiting for a big smile out of you. And he's just like, look at him like with a poker face. And he's just like, um, what is there to be happy about? Um, job's not finished. Job finished? I don't think so. And that resonated so well with me because I feel like a lot of times we tend to get overly excited when we accomplish one little thing off our bucket list or something or, you know, towards our goals. And I'm not saying don't celebrate, you know, your small victories, but don't lose focus of the big victory. So that's my my last words to everyone. I love
2: that. You were the best.
1: (laughs) You were the best. And I'm going to ask you real quick to put yourself in a mindset of your younger younger self. What would you tell that 11-year-old boy that was hurting, that was yearning for something to fill a void? What would you tell him?
3: today it's funny because I meditate on this all the time especially uh, since a while now just um, I always envision my younger self and I envision my older self Mm -hmm. and um, whenever I envision my younger self I close my eyes and always repeat these same things every single time and it's that you are loved you are wanted, you are enough, you're supposed to be here to keep fighting, no matter how lonely you may feel, to keep persevering, to stay relentless, and just know that I got you, I'm your protector, and I'll make sure that whenever you fall, I'll pick you up.
2: Uh, Oh my gosh, my heart
1: cannot. I'm gonna need that on a recording, just like that little I bit, know. that was so, what an incredible message to send yeah. to anyone yeah. that's listening today, to anyone that stumbles upon this podcast and listens to this. I truly think that it will change the course of their life.
0: Yes, that was so beautiful. That
1: was incredible. Oh. Adonis, you are, you are a true inspiration and I cannot wait to see what comes of you and your dreams. Um, I think that you have so much to offer the world. You have so much to offer mm-hmm. just so many people. Um, yeah. And I'm lucky to know you.
0: Yes. Ditto, ditto,
1: ditto. Ditto, kiddo. So Ooh. I know that's a good one, right? <laughs> yes. So I feel like we're going to have to have a part two because this yes. is just that cool.
0: Yeah. Um, And I know there's so many more layers to your story. So yeah, totally. Yeah. Dig in. Um, but you can find the Yana podcast on Instagram at the Yana podcast. We put out new episodes every Tuesday. We do. We try to at least. Oh, we try to. (laughs) Yeah. We did miss this week. (laughs) Yes. Girlfriend needed a break. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Seriously. Um, And yeah, we thank you so much, Adonis. And we look forward to talking to y'all soon. Yes. Said y'all too.
1: Oh my gosh. Anyway, (laughs) we love you. Have a great day. Peace and
0: love. Peace and love. All right. If you or someone you know is in crisis, Call the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988. Or you can text NAMI to the Crisis Text Line at 741741. Or go to NAMI.org for more information. Remember, you are not alone.